still sin as Christ died for us. Um, just show you that his love is um, it's known throughout the scripture. So we thank you for God that truly loves. Uh, if you have a copy of God's word, we're going to continue our study in the book of Romans. Uh, we're going to be in Romans chapter 7. And our brother Greg read seven verses, chapter 7, verses 1 through 12. It kind of catches up kind of what we've been learning in this book. And so now we are, are jumping in verse 13 through 15b. Um, we're not going to get all the way in with 15, but um, 15, and it's going to get into this, one of the most talked about verses and chapters in all the scriptures here. Um, it's going to begin here around about 14 and 15 in Romans. But let me read uh, for us Romans chapter 7, um, verse 13. Anybody need a Bible? If you need a Bible, raise your hand. And uh, we have a little Bible helper or bring a Bible to you. So if you need a Bible, um, please um, raise your hand and get a Bible to you. And um, so everybody open up the Bibles, okay? Romans 7, verse 13. Did that which is good, then bring death to me. By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. Verse 15, not all of it, just some of it. For I do not understand my own actions. Let me pray for us and let's dig into God's word together here today. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this amazing Lord's Day. That, Lord, we get to celebrate, Lord, uh, your burial, death, and resurrection, Lord, on this Lord's Day. That, Lord, every Lord's Day we get to celebrate you. We thank you, Lord, for this great, Lord, um, this great love you have shown towards us, Lord, that we get to do this every week. It's like a family reunion. We get to be back together to be in your word. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to bless us at the time. Let everything I say, Lord, be for your glory, not for my own glory or not to try to build up my own platform or to try to get pats on the back for me. Or, But, Lord, let it be for your glory, Lord, and let all of us, Lord, be consumed by your glory. So, Lord, help me lead your people well. If it's not in your word, it's not faithfully, Lord, uh, in your text. And what I'm saying, Lord, doesn't agree with your text, Lord. Lord, remove it from me, Lord. Remove from my mind, my notes, and everything, Lord. But, Lord, let me say everything, Lord, for your glory and your glory alone. So help us, Lord, cling to your word at this time. Help us be better listeners of your word at this time. Any distractions, Lord, that might be around us, Lord, Help us, Lord, with those distractions, Lord, so we won't be distracted by your word. But let us hear your word clearly at this time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. In life, there are a lot of things that have a lot of good benefits, but also can be risky things in life. One prime example I love taking is apple cider vinegar. Apple cider vinegar has so many great benefits to it. Uh, one of the things the apple cider is known for is lowering blood sugar. Some people that have, might have acne or some type of um, skin disorder, apple cider vinegar is known for helping treat various skin um, disorders. 
Um, also, like different fungus is something you might have for cleaning. Apple cider vinegar is known for cleaning different type of uh, fungus that might be growing. Um, if it's like mold or any type of fungus, apple cider vinegar is a great solution to help resolve it. Anybody have pets? You know, pets that get breaks out, their skin starts, I mean, that's the skin. Their hair falls off. You can rub some apple cider vinegar on certain animals and it helps treat different skin disorders. Um, many other things they said is known for helping with blood pressure. Um, they say apple cider vinegar is known for many great healthy benefits to it. But some doctors have said it's a lot of precaution when using apple cider vinegar. It says a lot of side effects. Some say as well is apple cider vinegar is highly acidic, which means it can cause issues from some people who have not used properly. Um, apple cider vinegar can cause different reactions. Too much apple cider vinegar, it making you might people might say they can make it also eat through your teeth through calcium, and can actually cause teeth to clay to clay earlier. That was some may say. We can keep going on with so much more side effect with apple cider vinegar. And so now we have faced with like apple cider vinegar, though it has a many great benefits, but it might have some side effects. Well, if someone come along and say, well, apple cider vinegar is this and this, and if you don't use the apple cider vinegar, you're like crazy. You look at them like, well, apple cider vinegar is not good for the teeth. And so you go back and forth with an argument like we shouldn't use it, we shouldn't use it. Well, I think this is very similar to what we're dealing with today. Today we're dealing with the law. The law has many great benefits, and the law is really good, but if some are actually not seeing a side effect of misusing the law. And not even just for apple cider vinegar, but other things in life. We can overdo it. Right? You're driving down the highway, and I saw some of y'all speeding through town several times. You're driving, you want to get to where you're going. It can be a benefit that the God, God has been able to use the, the, his wisdom to be able to, to give the man, for man to be able to put V8 and V6 engines in cars. V4s too, right? And then you can hit the gas and the car go fast. That's a benefit. But the side effect of misusing that is that now you can go so fast and you can break the law. So do we just get rid of the car because it's an opportunity we can break the law? So I'm going to walk everywhere now. I don't want a car because of if you push the gas too much. No. The car is still good. But you can misuse the car and make a mess of it just like apple cider vinegar. <laughs> Same thing this past week and Zoe, I mean, this past league, I mean, Zoe, I was going to say I'm picking on him. Zoe was just so happy about the Vikings winning this year. He was sold out that they're going to win a Super Bowl this past year. And so he saw the side effect of overrooting on a team that doesn't have a history of winning. <laughs> he might throw something at me now for that one. And so I tried to give him a suggestion to root for the Patriots, which is a uh, team that has proven itself over time. Can I get an amen, Greg? Amen. But we see over time we can misuse things. 
And that's what we're getting at in our test here today is that Paul knows it's Jews in his church. Some people that are in this church that are still trying to over exalt the law over grace. Dr. Jones said this, Paul's fundamental object is to deal with the charge that the Jews and others were bringing against him by saying that his preaching meant that the law of God was not only useless, but actually evil. That it had no function or purpose at all. And that it would have been better if it had never been given. It was the charge that his preaching of justification by faith alone and by grace and salvation by grace was really throwing the law right out and dismissing it entirely. So Paul knowing that these, many of these Jews in the church are saying that we hear all this grace about Paul. Jesus' grace alone. We're hearing about how we are justified in Christ, how Christ has redeemed us to himself. And they are thinking that since he said all these things, Paul is saying that we don't have to keep the law anymore, that the law is not even necessary anymore, that the law is not even good. Y'all know how people put words in your mouth. And they put these words, in, and again, Paul has ministered to so many churches, and Paul knows that these are the questions that they're thinking about. So he's addressing these questions in this text in Romans chapter 7. He's addressing the things that the Roman people in the church might be thinking about. Oh, he's talking about grace so much, that means he doesn't like the law. Dr. Jones also said this, but he has made the same, talking about um, Paul, Paul has made the same general point in chapter 3, verse 20. Summing up the great argument about justification, he says there. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be. That's right, Nathan. Justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. It is the law that gives us an understanding of sin. It was never meant to justify a sinner. Here, he is repeating that truth in our text here in chapter 7, but also saying something even farther from this. So as we go through our test today, this is what Paul is dealing with. He even used the example of marriage. That at first, we all was married to the law, which is what brought about with sin. We all was married to sin or to the law because we have sin. We couldn't separate ourselves from the law because we all have sin. So we were going to be married to the law forever on until when we died in Christ, we can marry again. You can't be married to Jesus in the law. You can't be married to Jesus and also be connected with sin. And Saul Paul is getting said is there in the same way though is that when we died in Christ, when we died in, in Christ, now we are free down to marry another, which is Christ himself. That's why the church is called the bride of Christ. We're able to marry into Christ. And now in our test here, Paul continued with this, with the law. That we're not married to the law. The law is good. Because Paul had to over-explain this. Because people were 
could easily took this and divided the church with this. So Paul in our test today, he's going to be addressing again, the law is good, but it cannot save. And that's going to be the actual title of this message today. The law is good, but it cannot save. We're going to do it in five points. It's going to be a short sermon, five points. The law can't save, but it brought out the sin that brought death to Paul in verse 13 to 8. Point number two, the law can't save, but it revealed that Paul was dead in his sin, 13b. The law can't save, but it revealed what was already in the heart of Paul, 13c. The law can't save, but it showed that we are sinful beyond measure in 13c. Again, or 13d. And the last one, the law can't save, but it showed Paul that his flesh is unspiritual. So jump point number one with the time we have. The law can't save, but it brought out the sin that brought death to Paul. Look at verse 13. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. Again, Paul referring to this good, good referring back to the law in verses 7 through 12. We learned about six reasons the law was good last week. Now Paul refers back to the law being good to make his next point. And he's playing like this, not say a devil advocate type deal, but Paul is playing like, okay, let me go off of what many of y'all are thinking. He know the answers, but he knows that the people in the Roman church still had concerns about the law. So now he makes this discussion about the law even more personal by defending the law through his own life. Which he did last week. Paul's going to use, like he used last week, going to use his own life, Mr. Denise, to talk about how the law is good. Again, and the young folks like Trey J would say, Paul knows some possible ops in the room. He knows some people in the room that might take his word and go tell everybody else. So Paul want to be clear, like, hey, y'all, the law is good. Do everybody get that? Get that get, do everybody understand that? He's telling everybody the wrong church. I believe the law is good. Record that down. Put that on TikTok, Twitter, Snapchat, whatever it is. Let everybody know. This will record my words. The law is good. The law showed Paul's heart and his rebellion towards the commandment. But the law didn't just bring death to him, Paul says. He goes on to say, by no means. Which answering the question right here, that which is, did that which is good then bring death to me. Paul uses a strong word, by no means. The law didn't bring death to him. It was sin. Again, the law just showed us what was already in the heart. Creston didn't make you sin. Jacob didn't make you sin. Emray, Noel didn't make you sin. Our hearts wanted to rebel by nature, and the law was used to show our rebellion. The law didn't bring death, but did, did many other things. We talked about six things last week. We're going to see about four or five things this week. 
Let me say one more thing before we move on from Dr. Jones. He says this, the law was never intended to be a way of salvation. The fundamental error of the Jews was to think that it was so intended. That was exactly why they had gone so badly astray. The apostle says the same thing again in chapter 9 of the epistle. Israel was followed after the law of righteousness, have not attained the law of righteousness, wherefore, because they saw it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. That was their whole trouble, he goes on to say. They were persistent, thinking that God had given his law to them in order that they might save themselves through it. But salvation is a matter of grace entirely. God has stated that all the way back to the Garden of Eden. It's always been about grace. Adam and Eve in the garden, God gave them a law not to eat from this certain tree. He gave them a law. But the law couldn't save. The law could never save. But the law to show you the heart. The law showed Adam and Eve's heart in that moment. When God told them not to do something, something about the heart, somebody saying no, there's something special about it. I just had Noel over here at the piano. And she wanted to play the piano. And I said, Noel, no. And Noel wants to give me up a cut. Why is that? What about you as adults? When somebody tell you no, when somebody tell you I'm not going to do that for you, something about somebody saying those certain things, it did deep down in us, doesn't it? It's something in that just turns us, right? And it shows so much about it in the same way in the law. When we see ourselves before the law, the law shows us the deepness of our heart that nobody else can see but God. So Paul goes on to say, we will see here that the law can't save, but it brought out the sin that brought death to Paul. The law showed him that he is not righteous. And he used the word again, by no means. This word by no means is used, I think I talked about it last week, probably over 10, 11 times in this book. Paul used this strong word, by no means. The law is good, but it can't save. Look at the second thing we see here in 13b. The law can't save, but it revealed that Paul was dead in his sin. It was sin producing death in me through what is good. Paul tells us now that it was sin that brought death, Jacalo. It was sin that brought death. We know that Adam's sin affected all humanity because we, he was the federal head before we believed in Christ. So many different verses with this point. Psalm 51.5. It says, Behold, I, I was brought forth in iniquity and sin and my mother won't conceive me. Ephesians 2.2 2 says that all people are not in Christ are sons of disobedience. And keep going on with Ephesians 2, 3. Or I can also say Romans 5, 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because sin, that all of us have sinned. 
Because all of us are part of our forefather, Adam. So we all have sinned. So we say that Adam is a part of part of our sin coming back down from Adam. So it's like this passive sin that Adam committed, it affects all of us. But not only Adam's sin, but also our own personal sin. So we see this double thing here. This original sin and how Adam sinned, but also we are all guilty in this room by our own sins as well. You see the thing here. But Paul seems to be focusing here on how the law showed him his sin personally. Paul had, had to also blame himself for his shortcoming. So the law revealed Paul's sin. The law reveals our sins. You want to stay humble? Look at the law. The law shows us this. The law showed Paul that we're dead in his sin. Again, we are really good people until we read the law. We're not bad people until we read the law. Because I'm better than him. He cheated on his time clock. He called him to work. He know he wasn't sick. Or she wasn't sick. I wouldn't do that. When we try to better ourselves and say, well, I'm better than this person. I'm better than this person. When we meet the law, we are all in this room just as guilty as everyone else. Amen. Again, I always say this. I think some of us are just professional deceivers that we know how to hide our sins better than others. I think some of us just cold with it. Some are just born with the talent, just knowing how to do it in a way, knowing how to cover it up. But when you see the law, you can't cover it up anymore. You can cover up, you can try to cover up before man. But when you start reading about thou shalt not covet, deep down, you know what you've been covering, covering in all week. So honor your father and mother. What gets with honor those that are put before you. Some of us have disrespected those that are being put before you. When somebody doubts you not lie, man, it's just a small little lie. It's one of those respectable lies that, hey, I ain't gonna go to hell for this small lie. It ain't like I lied about killing, no, lied about something big. This is something small about something really, really small. Well, you put yourself before the law and let you know that small little lie came from a big, big heart that's rooted in rebellion. It might be small, but what is deep down is something way bigger. The third thing you see here, KJ blinking his eyes. The law can't say, but it revealed what was already in the heart of Paul, what I just mentioned. In order that sin might be shown to be sin. The law showed Paul his actions of his heart was motivated by sin. Without the law, Paul could easily blame others for his decision. But the law put us to blame ourselves. It's like someone know you struggle with alcohol, but they but they drink in front of you, describe the enjoyment of drinking. They are wrong trying to encourage you to fall into sin. If somebody know you're struggling with alcohol, why would they come in front of you and be able to try to use alcohol in front of you to uh, uh, and drink in front of you and know you struggle with that. 
But if you still drink, you are held accountable for drinking, after, uh, drinking alcohol. Even though that person is wrong for trying to entice you, but if you give in to the alcohol, you're just as guilty. Or you sin as well. So the person that enticed you, they're guilty for enticing, but also for you going in too and drinking alcohol you, and, and getting drunk, you're sinful as well. So Paul is not focusing about people enticing others, but Paul is person about how he has given in to sin. So Paul concerned with what, with what he know here is his heart to be. That his heart is full of sin when we met the law. So again, we all in this room have sinned against God. And Paul admitted that he has sinned against God. And that the law revealed already what was in the heart of Paul. They have the book, um, Pans, I recommend you guys to get. I think Jerry has it. It's called Shepherding the Child's Heart. And Shepherding the Child's Heart gets it from Proverbs is that in the heart root, everything else comes out of the heart. A lot of times, us parents, we get lazy. We discipline off a of reaction. A child not doing what we say, we say discipline in that moment to get the reaction. And we don't try to get to the heart of it. What happened is that a kid turned manipulative over time. Okay, I'm going to do this. I know I'm going to uh, 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 get a spanking because if I do this. So a child was like, okay, I can't do this this way because I'm going to get a spanking. So a child now, they're learning how to manipulate to get out of the situation along the way. And so the only thing is that they wanted to get out of whooping. But they really want to still do this. So deep down in the heart, we have to address it. Even then, you say with kids in the school and things of that, you know, system. I grew up getting paddlers, you know, and, you know, and, and it, was, it, was, it was kind of rough. But I would say this, at the root of it, at the end of the day, a child wants what a child wants. And a child would do anything to get what they want. And they would play the game, they'll do these certain things. And not only a child grown folks. Because the deep root is that whatever we want, we will manipulate our heart to get what we want. So we don't address the heart. If we don't address what's inside of us, what happened though is that we would continue trying to find self-fixes. It would never address the main problem of the heart. So Paul talks about here what the law does. The law shows us, reveals us what our heart really is. Number four. The law can't say, but it shows that we are sinful beyond measure. Look at verse 13. And through the commandment might become sin beyond measure. The law just didn't show Paul his heart and show sin. It also showed Paul how deeply rooted sin was rooted in the heart. It said it was sinful beyond measure. Sin so bad you can't even measure it. It's time to try to take a tape measure. Anybody know what a tape measure is? When was the last time you measured something with a tape measure or a ruler? How long has it been? Been a while. Some of y'all might have used one recently. A tape measure. Okay, get a tape measure. I want y'all to get a chance today to go to Lowe's. Go to Lowe's and buy a tape measure. And you get a chance. Next time you go to the Bahamas or go to the ocean, get a tape measure and measure the ocean. And let me know how big the ocean is with that tape measure. Can you do it? No. It's not going to work. No. 
Trying to measure sin is like trying to taking a tape measure to trying to measure the Atlantic Ocean. That's how deep sin is. Go to Lowe's and go get your tape measure and use the one that Lowe's and see what you're going to see if you can measure the ocean. And what I'm saying over here is that that's how deep sin is is rooted in the mankind. We cannot measure it. We don't think of sin that way because we think our sin and everything is controllable, that we're not just that bad. But it tells it right here, sin of the heart of mankind, it cannot be measured. It's just like taking a tape measure, measuring the Atlantic Ocean. We cannot measure how far-rooted the sin is as in us. But we don't think of that, that that way because we look good on the outside. We know how to put stuff on and make us look good. We know how to hide certain things to make us look good. One person said this, John Street, he says this. Scripture said the human heart is deep, hidden, and clever. The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man's understanding would draw it out, Proverbs 25. It is also described as dishonest, calculated, and untrustworthy. Here the heart is described as purpose proposing. The Hebrew word used for purpose, propose, can also be translated to plan. Contrary to the world's view of romance and emotions, the Bible said the human heart purposes and plans. And it goes on to say, yet the heart, chief unsettling characteristic, is capacity for self-deception. <coughs> It's a common place for the heart to assume that it's better than it really is. It is a customary for the heart to believe its own innocent and presume the goodness of its own motivations. A self-imposed form of blindness is endemic to the heart because of the effects of original sin. The heart of man labors to hide its wicked intentions from being acknowledged or exposed. We know how to protect our own heart. But deep down, the law shows us our sin is so far it can't even be measured. What if we didn't have a law? If we didn't ever have a law, we wouldn't even be able to notice about our own heart, would we? So think about it. Some of the stuff you guys have been struggling with for years and years, you have prayed to the Lord to help you with lying, with, with anger, pornography. All these things you might have asked the Lord with singleness. You might have asked the Lord all these certain, all these years, right? And you might have prayed to the Lord to help you with these things. But something about the flesh is still going after the other opposite. Right? It's not going after Jesus, going after these things of this world. That's why the scripture is saying that, the, that it's sinful beyond measure because the heart continually wants what it wants. And the law shows us this. The, the heart is busy for worshiping self. It is sinful beyond measure. Paul realizes this and we'll share more about this in chapter 7 of the corrupt nature of the heart.
Ted Tripp says this about the heart, nature of the heart. So what is the problem you ask? The problem is this, your child needs are far more profound than his abandoned behavior. Remember his behavior does not just spring forth uncaused. His behavior, the things he says and does reflect his heart. If you are to really help him, you must be concerned with the attitude of the heart that drives his behavior. A change in behavior does, does not stem from a change in heart. It's not commendable. It is condemnable. Is it not the hypocrisy of the Jesus condemned the Pharisees? In Matthew 15, Jesus announced to the Pharisees who have honored him with their lips while their hearts were far from him. Jesus censors them as people who wash the outside of the cup with, while the inside is still unclean. Yet this is what we often do in childbearing, childbearing. We demand change behavior and never address the heart that drives the behavior. Have you ever, in a dark room, have you ever walked, you didn't have the lights on, and you hit your, your, your toe on a corner? What's some of your reactions? You might have hit it, and don't tell me what you would say, right? Right, you would hit your feet, and you might pull your leg back and forth, it's a reaction to something that's happened. And again, when somebody come out lying, it's a reaction over something that already happened internally. Well, all of a sudden just start lying or start being angry. It's something that's so rooted in us that does these certain things. And that's what Paul said with the law. Last point, point five, as we finish up here. The law can't say, but it showed Paul that his flesh is unspiritual, 14 and 15. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, so under sin. The law is spiritual because the law is a reflection of God's law, heart. The law powerfully reveals our spiritual state before the Lord. If we didn't have the law, everyone would think they are really good people that are on God's side. But the law reveals the opposite and lets us know our spiritual state. That's why Paul said that he is of the flesh because of the lack of honor in the law. He said, sold under sin. When something is sold to someone, that means someone now owns it. So Paul talks about his flesh is sold under sin. Be sold under something again is mean to be mean that sin is the master, and he and sin was the master of Paul because of the flesh. This is not because saying he don't believe in Jesus, but Paul also have a fallen flesh, like all of us in this room. And so, by having a fallen flesh, Shatera, is that our fallen flesh want the things of this world. We want the things of this world, and we are enslaved to things of this world. By God and by the flesh. We submit to the things in this world. And that's why Paul goes on in verse 15. For I do not understand my own actions. This phrase is in present tense. Paul is talking about his heart as he is writing the book of Romans. That he can't put his heart in a box. It is so complex with sin. Even as a believer, sin, is paid, sin was paid for by Christ. But our flesh still wants the things of this world. 
which is steady making war in the heart. We'll talk about this in the weeks ahead. But Paul had took a detour from reminding us ourselves in Christ <coughs> to be able to address this issue within this Roman church that the law is good. And so after hearing a message like this, do y'all believe the law is good? Amen. The law is good. But let me end this message, though, with mention this again. Even though the law is good, the law cannot save you. Only Christ can save you. Christ was the only one that lived and actually had kept the law. You remember when I told y'all about how deep sin that cannot be measured in the heart? How deep sin is rooted in the man, heart of mankind? It was one person that walked this earth. He was 100% God and 100% man. He had a heart like us in a way of because he was human. But also he had a spiritual heart in a way of because of the divine nature. And he was tested in every single way. He met with temptation, the same temptation that you met daily. But deep down and rooted in his heart, sin can never be measured because sin was never there. Because he was perfect. Sin never appeared in the heart of Jesus. Because every moment of Jesus' life, he honored the Father. Even with Jesus knowing on the day of Calvary that he had to die to glorify his Father, to take, this, take the sin on, of his people upon himself. This is the time of the Father. It tells us in Isaiah 53, 10, I believe. It said that it pleased the Father to crush his only son. And this is the time for the son to talk back to the father. You know how them kids talk back to the mom and daddy? This is the time that Jesus talked back to him, but Jesus, Lord, he was he sacrificially he was able to glorify the father. He said he gave himself up to honor his father. It wasn't his sin. We know it from 2 Corinthians 5. It wasn't his sin. It was a sin of his people. And that's why even Jesus said on the Calvary, right before he died, he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Not just the ones that were in front of him saying crucify him. He's talking about for us as well. Forgive us. If we're not forgiven by Christ, we don't have a heritage in Christ. So Christ, he forgave us. And so on Christ, he would put the death on that day. Put the death. Three days of silence here. He was put to death. But on that glorious day, he was raised from the grave. He was resurrected for the, by the Father and by the Son, by the divine nature, and by the Holy Spirit. The Father showed to the world that he never left his Son. Amen. And also the Spirit was there as well. So the triune God was there bringing about the resurrection of Christ. So Christ kept the law for us. By keeping the law for us, we get eternal life. So the law was good because the law showed us that we need a resurrected Savior. There was no law. We won't think we need Jesus because we're really good people. 
We're just not too bad of people. When we see the law, it shows us that we need Jesus. But some of these Pharisees, they were a little, little, little iffy. You guys remember this about Jesus' life. They brought these charges on Jesus trying to say he didn't keep the law. And that was part about the whole downfall for Jesus, for them wanting to put him to death. They were trying to say he's not keeping the law of Moses. Stephen, you know, when Stephen quotes and everything, talks talk about the Old Testament, they're pretty much talking about blaspheming, talking about trying to have Stephen disregarded the law. All throughout the Old Testament, a lot of the people that were following out the God that was faithful men, a lot of time what happened was that the charges that were brought against them was that they didn't keep the law. And so Paul, knowing that these people would turn the church upside down, they figured out that Paul don't like Moses, don't like the law. So Paul does it in Romans right here. He said, hey, y'all calm down. Calm down. I love the law. But the law only goes so far. The law has showed us our sin, but now we're in Christ. Now we're God about the spirit. And so now, this is why we are up, that's why there's our grace over the law. Because grace now shows us what we have in Christ. That's where we're getting at. A couple applications that we in. As believers, regularly reflect back at what Christ has done in your heart. Our hearts were so far away from God. We was able to see clearly that our hearts wasn't honoring the Lord when we met the law. But thanks be to God that Jesus has given us a new heart. So let us rejoice in goodness of the Lord that God has given us a new heart. Be thankful for that. A heart that is spiritual. Yes, we have an old flesh, but we don't have to choose the things in the flesh. We can choose the things in the spirit. We can now because we're in Christ. Second thing, also remember that we still have our old bodies and our old flesh, which still try to encourage you away from being guided by God's word, but rather be guided by the spirit, not by our fleshly desires. Listen to Jesus, not your flesh. Listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. It's okay. It's okay. If somebody get over on you, it's okay. You don't have to try to fight your own battle. The Lord will vindicate your name. The Lord will do it. Let them get over on you. It's fine. No, I can't let nobody. It's fine. Give it to the Lord and trust the Lord. He will fight your battles better than you. Because when you fight your battle, y'all make a mess up. We all make a mess of our battles. Let the Lord fight our battles, okay? Last one. Last one for those who aren't believers in here. For those not believers, listen to this. Your heart is deceiving you to think that you are a good person. That it isn't a heaven or it isn't a hell. Or you can just enjoy this fast life. You can enjoy listening to N.A.E. Chopper. Is that what y'all listen to? N.A.E. Chopper. You can enjoy these things in this world. This world is going to tell you that, hey, go have fun. Go have fun. Enjoy these things in this world. The world is going to lie to you and tell you that it gets better and better and better. 
You can have the most women, you can have the most men, whatever you want in this world, you can have it all. You can have the most money, you can do all these things in this world, the world is going to tell you, go have fun and do whatever you want to do. Family, if your heart is telling you that, your heart is deceiving you, and it's lying to you. Your heart wants you to enjoy that these things in this world over God. And your heart is going to take you right there to hell. So I encourage you, turn to Jesus. Come to him. You will never be poor again. You'll be rich forevermore. In this world where earthly treasure, think about millionaires in Hollywood. They got millions of dollars and it's still not enough. NBA players got millions of dollars, still not enough. Some of us, they got the most beautiful woman or the most handsome man. It's still not enough. You got all of these things in the world. It's still not going to be enough for you. Don't buy into the lie in the world. But you turn to Jesus. He satisfies us. We are rich in him. We have everything in him. So I say to you and encourage you, don't ignore the law. Do not, Lord, ignore the law for those that are not in Christ. But look at the law and see who you are and cry out for a Savior. Repent right now and turn to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us.